in any golf fitting question, the, the right answer is always it depends. Because if you give me that guy and I look at him generating 125 miles an hour of club head speed with a shaft that is bending and twisting and, and just by the time it gets to the yeah. ball, it might as well be on a different head kind of situation. He's going to benefit more from getting dialed into sure. the driver, but only because he's so far from where he needs to be. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's No Putts Given. Tony, Chris, here we are. We're not giving any putts this week, Tony. No putts. None. Given. Zero. But here's something I do have. Can you see what that is? That's, that's a wedge. It's really rusty, Tony. It's a rusty wedge. It's a wedge. rusty wedge because today we're getting into equipment myth. Golf equipment myth. Love it. At least we're going to tackle we'll tackle. One. Maybe make this a regular Yeah, we can even tackle a couple. I got a couple curveballs for you because I didn't want to give you too much prep time because why would I? This is not this a scripted is not, show. No, this is not bought and paid for by anyone, thankfully. We've seen a lot of things However, on the interwebs. Your logo or, here. It could be your logo here. Uh, we see things on the interwebs and you see golfers sometimes propagate certain things that we hear over and over and over. And we're like, oh, you have to be kidding me. Like that is not... True. And one of them that came up this week that we want to talk about, rusty wedges. You see them all over tour. And and why wouldn't a tour player have a raw wedge, which rusts, if for no other reason than to get better spin control, right? And and maximize their spin. Right, Tony? That's the thinking. I mean, we, we talk about this. So what's the deal? I don't know where this one came from. This is one that comes up over and over again. And I will say to their credit, the manufacturers, some of the same ones who used to advertise rusty wedges as adding mm -hmm. spin and, and creating sort of campaigns that suggested <laughs> heavily that rust adds spin have dialed it back a little bit and have talked about more about the lack of finish more than anything else. They've kind of come around to reality, but there are still golfers who believe that Getting rust on the face of your wedge will increase the spin properties. It is not true. It has never been true. So why do golfers think it's true? Though I know what you're saying. I mean, I remember a certain tailor-made ad specifically where they didn't come directly out and say, hey, you know, having a, a rusted wedge will increase spin. But it was like, we're going to put these two dots very, very close together and see if you make the leap on your own. And if you do, you might come to the conclusion that having a raw wedge that rust is preferable. Um, how did we get to this point even where consumers would think that a raw wedge that then rusts, right? Because when metal is exposed or unfinished metal in this case is exposed to moisture, it oxidizes, it gets rustified. And there you go. Why would consumers be led to believe that that is a better thing though? There are likely a couple of reasons. I think the first, and I believe this is how a lot of myths in golf equipment for sure, and, and pretty much any other type of myth get propagated. And that's one guy said it to another guy. And that guy was like, you know what? That sounds good. I'm going to tell somebody else. And that guy told two other people who told four other people because nobody stopped to dial it back and go, hey, does this actually make sense? Is right. there any 
science behind this? Is there any reason why this should be true? And I assume the thinking here is, well, there's, there's this texture, Ross friction. adds this yeah. grit, right? More, more friction spin. to the face of my wedge. That's the more thinking. friction, more spin. I think rust creates friction. More friction equals more spin. That part is true. The rust part, probably not. And everybody ran with it. And it became this thing that people say on golf courses and on the internet. Where this comes from, I think we do know that sometimes raw wedges will spin more. And this is a case of different manufacturers, tighter tolerances, different manufacturing processes don't always do the best job of accounting for finish on their wedge. So we have a groove Mm -hmm. spec. We know this groove spec on a raw wedge is going to spin like we Mm -hmm. want it to. But when we apply the finish, we fill in those grooves a little bit. Maybe we round the edges of the grooves as they fill in and coat. And you can start to lose spin there if the implications of the finish aren't accounted for. And as I said, this has been a talking point for Titleist for a number of years with their Vokey line. They say, absolutely, our wedges will, regardless of the finish, will spin within essentially, right? A unnoticeable amount, a statistically right. insignificant right. difference. Whereas others, we do see bigger jumps. So I guess you could say if you want to maximize spin and you really don't know how good a job your manufacturer is doing at maintaining the groove radii when you apply the finish and all the stuff that goes right. into manufacturing, then yeah, you might be better off with a raw wedge. But if you're thinking that I'm going to buy this raw wedge, I'm going to let it rust and then increase spin, that is wrong. And for once, we are not the no, only ones saying we're not. Saying uh, it. Golf.com, right? I want to say, is that right? They had a, yes. uh, a brief piece that came out basically said the same thing we've been saying for quite some time, which is rust doesn't increase. Rust does not. So yeah, it's a, it's a good quick little read. Jonathan Wall was out with Gene Parenti mm -hmm. at Golf Labs and they did a test with a chrome plated wedge side by side. They, they took a brand new raw wedge, rusted it up good, let it sit in water. It's not hard to do. And did a test. And they found a st- statistically insignificant spin difference. I want to say 40 something RPMs difference yeah, was the nothing. number. Like you said, solid protocols, solid test and arrived at the same thing that we've been telling golfers for what seems like forever is that stop, stop buying wedges to rust. If you believe that rust is going to add spin and I will add one other ripple it. to this conversation. An unplated wedge is fundamentally a less durable wedge. So again, depending on the manufacturer, you may get a little more spin out of the gate Mm -hmm. with a raw wedge, depending on the finish quality and how that's done. But that spin is going to degrade more quickly because the unfinished grooves will wear faster. Which brings us around to what you asked. Why do tour players very often, not all, but many use raw wedges? see a lot of raw wedges on tour, quite a few. I'm not myself a raw wedge guy. Never have been. I, I kind of like the jet mm-hmm. black finishes, the the QPQs, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Interesting. I I love a black wedge. I hate mm-hmm. a black iron, as it turns out. Go figure. But I digress. The point here is, tour players get their wedges replaced <laughs> several times a year, and they don't or have whatever, to pay yeah. for it. Yeah. So and it's the lob wedge is the most often replaced, then the sand wedge, then the gap wedge. So, I guess if you are going to get your re- wedges replaced whenever you want them and yeah. for free 
then it makes sense, I suppose, to choose a raw wedge. But if you're going to go out of pocket every time your grooves start to get dull and you are actually concerned about the durability and the longevity of the spin properties of your wedge, then it might make sense to go after something that actually yeah. is finished. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I think that's just... it. Last other follow-up question. So question we do get from consumers quite Seven. a bit, which is what, well, how do I create spin then? Because right, really where this comes from is I want to either add spin on short shots. I see having more spin off my wedges as an advantage because spin can create control around the greens. And, and especially we go back to the groove rule. Oh boy, we're got to be almost a decade past that, right? Um, yeah. and, years and ago, so people like... were trying to get spin back that, uh, that effectively the ruling bodies had kind of taken away. So I want to get more spin. So how can I generate more spin if not by letting the wedges get rusty? I want to get more spin out of that. What are a couple of things I might be able to do to generate more spin out of my wedges? Well, the first thing is to improve your impact conditions <laughs> so that you're actually creating favorable spin conditions, I guess, is a, a decent way to word that. It's one of those conversations I have a lot with, with golfers, especially senior golfers and some of the women golfers at my club as well, who feel like they can't generate spin around the green with a wedge like a tour pro. And, and my whole thing is, how hard does Dustin Johnson need to swing his wedge to hit a 30-yard shot? And is that fundamentally any harder than you swing? That is not a speed no. shot. You don't need 115 plus driver speed to spin a wedge. What you need are two things. And this may be a simplification. You're going to have instructors come after me maybe, but two things, favorable impact conditions. You're not hitting mm -hmm. glancing blows, right? It, it all comes down to effectively spin loft and compressing the ball, even on that short shot to, to create a favorable spin condition. And then the second piece right. is the golf ball. You need something with a soft cover and a firm mantle, which covers many, many, if not all of the legitimate tour balls on the market today. You need that yep. soft urethane cover. You need that firm mantle layer. I love the way Bridgestone describes it. They talk about the mantle layer, at least as it relates to performance around the green as a backstop. It gives that cover something yeah. to pinch against and create that friction. So... Solid impact conditions and a good and, golf ball. And you can spin a ball around a green. And you can do it all without a single yeah. bit of rust on your wedge. And here's you don't the even need rusty Here, This is the dumbest one. I, uh, I see this. Sounds like a really bad Which porn one? star name, doesn't it? Rusty oh. wedges. <laughs> Sounds like there's a lot of directions we can go. Watch out for that guy. We can go with and watch, watch out, out for, for rusty wedges. But I'm amazed at how many golfers don't just clean their clubs. Like, that's think about I, that's, the grooves, right. the, the function, Simple. I understand this idea that we have groove radii. If you took a cross section and it looked kind of like this, like that's the groove. Yep. And, and we think about the, the edges kind of gripping the ball, right. And imparting spin and that's all well and good and true and fine. But think of the grooves, like the channels on a tire on a car, the job is to collect things that might get in between the ball and the club face and get them out of the way. So if we can get a more precise or cleaner ball face contact without things in the way, like dirt, water, grass, whatever, we're going to be able to impart more spin. And that's what the grooves do. So if those grooves are filled with dirt, 
or other debris or whatever, they're not going to be able to do. Would you drive on bald tires, right? And go, geez, you know, these tires don't have a lot of grip. They don't stop very well. <laughs> right. Yeah. They will help your car spin. Yeah. It's a little different. I think that's a different yeah. application. Of but the physics it's like, there. oh man, that was the other one I thought. Of. So those things, for example, you've been out a couple of times, like a member guest tournament. You get a lot of lift clean in place mm -hmm. in those situations. And that is a, a great time. First, you get to your ball and you get that wedge out and cleaning those grooves, making sure you've yes. got everything out of there, dry them up real nice, and pick up that golf ball and remove every yes. bit of moisture you possibly can. Dry on dry, clean grooves, good strike. That's Watch how it, it checks. Yes. It's fantastic. All right, this leads into another myth, Tony. Good and golf. I didn't prep you for this one, but I want, uh -oh. if I say I want a golf ball, that is low spin off a driver, but high spin around the greens. We hear this. Can a golf ball, I thought in our testing, we found that generally the higher spinning a golf ball, it's all within reason, but the higher spinning a golf ball is off the driver. It's going to be higher spin likely off wedges and irons, right? Or can a golf ball do both of those things? Yes. <laughs> What we saw in testing, there's not an absolute correlation. So the highest spinning golf ball off the driver is not necessarily going to be the highest okay. spinning off a wedge. Likewise, the highest spinning ball off a driver is also not likely to be the lowest spinning off a wedge. I would say if you tested 20 golf balls right. and you ranked them one through 20 for driver spin and one through 20 for wedge spin, you definitely wouldn't see an absolute correlation. You would see some move up and down, but we hadn't seen anything that would suggest sort of a, an inverse relationship right. where the table. So I guess maybe that's the myth to bust or the, the question is if I want to prioritize a ball that is low spin off the driver. How much spin is it reasonable to expect that I can get off irons and wedges? If I say, hey, I want as low spin as possible off a driver, but I want to get back as much of that spin as I possibly can around the greens, what you're telling me is if I get something really, really low spin, I can't also get something that's crazy high spin. What's the most I can hope for? This, this is one where it becomes extremely important to define that word. Everybody who makes a golf ball likes to throw around in Which too is? much context. Greenside. What, what right. does greenside mean? If it means, for example, 55 and in, something like that, which is the condition we tested when we did our most recent ball test. So we tested drivers, then we did irons, and then we did a 55-yard shot effectively tour level impact conditions. That's how we set it sure. up as far as angle of attack and dynamic yeah. loft and those type of things. Concerned. So on 55 yards, you get a little bit of movement, but not a ton because you're still interacting with some of those innermost layers. So if you have a dual mantle design, for example, there, at least in what we saw some suggestion that was a, again, not absolute correlation, but there was some correlation with mm -hmm. what we saw off drivers and irons. I think when you start getting into what is 
becoming the more standard definition of greenside, where you're getting into yeah. shorter wedge things shots, like 15 yards, pitches, things like, like that. And, and some of this is all in sure. the variability of impact conditions too. Like how was sure. your driver test set up? How was your iron test set up? But when you get into those, those really short, low speed, mm -hmm. low, low speed conditions, that is entirely all yeah. mantle versus cover. You're getting into, again, pinching on that backstop. So in those cases, you're not really worried about the core, which is a good part of your spin right. equation off the driver. That's a lot of that is core versus right. mantle and how those two interact. Once you get around the green, especially on a low speed collision, mm -hmm. that's all cover and mantle. And yeah, absolutely. If you have a ball that is, I think Chrome soft is probably a good example here. It's a ball that doesn't necessarily spin a lot mm -hmm. off a driver. It's not designed to part of the way. Callaway and, and anybody who makes a ball in that low compression space, especially when they're loosely in the trying to compete right. with tour balls with the urethane right. cover, that sort of thing to keep that soft feel that effectively mandates a design that is going to be low spin off your driver and off your irons and the counteract that with an aerodynamic package that creates a higher flight. The idea being, Hey, it gets up in the air. It comes down a little steeper and that right. offsets the lack of spin on those shots. But once you get around the green, mm -hmm. that is a soft urethane cover. It's maybe mm -hmm. not the firmest mantle. It can't be. Because again, soft requires right. soft, soft, soft in a three-piece ball. It's hard to, to put a really stiff mantle on that. And then again, the objective to make it soft, right. everything has to be kind of soft. But you can create enough differentiation between that cover and mantle, even in a soft construction, that you do get spin around the greens. Not excessive spin, I don't think, but it is absolutely possible to see a ball that is super low spin off a driver or even relatively low spin off a driver move up to middle of the pack and, and maybe yeah. even in. I mean, that's levels. the right. We hear that all the time. And I'm thinking about balls to come out even in 2023 and things that we're thinking. What do people want? Say, I want more distance off the driver, but more spin around the green. And, and I guess fundamentally, those are competing outcomes because in general to do more of one can mean you have to do less of the other or it's a lot harder to do that because you, you firm up the core like you said more or less right the core how firm it is right the compression of the core is going to help dictate ball speed to some degree right or to a large degree but, but getting that spin around the greens or like you said greenside whatever that means it's a competing set of yeah of, of objectives and so that's why we see these different variations so you got to kind of pick your poison to a degree if you want the absolute spinniest softest ball i mean we saw this with, with tiger forever he prefers like he places a uh, bridgestone right to or bxs the much softer ball because he wants that spin and control even if it means he has to give up a little bit of speed with the driver, potentially. Others, it's opposite. And keep in mind, when we talk about Tiger and his ball, the Torby XS, that is a, a soft like, ball by modern <laughs> tour standards, but it is not a soft golf ball. It's significantly firmer than Chrome Soft, significantly firmer than Tour BX or BRXS. There are a lot of balls, Tour Response, another one that, that's going to fall softer. So it's, 
there is a line of differentiation between what I would mm-hmm. call a legitimate like, tour ball. And that for the most yeah. part, that's a, that's a very simple line. It's, Hey, is this a structure that somebody on, on the PGA tour, the corn Ferry tour, some of the women you do get like an RX in the mix there, but for the most part, it really is in my mind, that line of demarcation of, is this actually a structure that is going to be played on the PGA tour? And the tour BXS is about as soft as you're going to find. And that runs, I'm not sure how Bridgestone's measurements vary from ours right. because we use different gauges, but I think we can call it low eighties and the tricks on Z star, which occasionally gets a little play on tour. That's in that range. You, you don't see uh, anything. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. That. In fact, like you said, the vast, vast, yeah. So Chrome saw covers close. around seven. As I said, there is, there's overlap. You can move up and down the table, but I think we're all smart enough to understand that if Callaway mm-hmm. could make a 70 compression ball, give or take, that offered super low spin off the driver and off the irons to give players in that soft category that the distance that right. they want, the distance they need to get back to offset the softer core to a degree, if Callaway could build that package and have it spin like crazy so that an average golfer could see his ball stop and even come back yeah. a couple feet on the green, they would do it sure. because that is something everybody wants. And we've seen time and time again, that Callaway in particular is very responsive to what golfers want. That's why they moved into and inarguably sort of took over that right. soft compression urethane space. So again, limitations, yep. but not a direct correlation. A lot, lot in there. I might have to go back and re-listen to that. I might learn something. That's a lot of good information. Mailbag time, Tony. Mailbag. Great question popped up on your Twitter feed. We talk all the time about testing. We talk all the time about fitting. We say, trust the data, go get fit, use the numbers, let them help you. But the other thing we get is it can be expensive, time consuming, overwhelming, and just not available, right? So there, there's all these competing factors. So I like to say, Tony, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, one bite at a time. So one let's say that I'm time. sitting here, I've never been fit for a club in my bag. And I get that that's something I want to do, but man, I don't want to spend three, four, $500 just getting fit. I'm a little nervous about it. It feels like a lot. But I said, you know, I'll get fit for one club in my bag. I'll start with one segment. Where should I start? If it were up to you and I came to you say, hey, I'm going to get fit for something. Which one should I start with and why? So I saw this question and it was one of those things where I didn't even have to think about it. The answer it was? was immediately clear to me. And so I just jumped right on there and said, you need to get fit for a chip. You need to get fit for a ball counter. Shot counter, like the little beach. What is the right answer, Tony? No, why? uh, I went right to wedges. I went right to wedges. Make sure they're rut. Make sure they're rusty, people. So they spin. So I can. Why wedges? Think. I mean, there's plenty of data to support this. You look at stuff that that Lou Stagner has has posted. Stuff Dean Snell has been talking about for years, and I think stuff that is just widely accepted as reality. That unlike the rusty wedge myth, absolutely is reality. And it's this average golfers miss way more greens than they hit. Mm -hmm. 
And not only do you miss greens, but missing a green puts you in any number mm -hmm. of Where are there are a lot of bunkers. You can miss the green by no more than 15 yards and find yourself in an absolute variety yeah. of nightmare lie conditions. We got, we've got grass and we've got heather and Uphill, we've got rough downhill. and we've got sand and we've got just bare dirt and we've got mulch and right miscellaneous <laughs> debris laden yeah. wood, whatever Woodland you want to call it, yeah. forest floor that nobody has <laughs> raked our forest. We're very fortunate that the whole thing hasn't burned down, I guess. But what I, my thought process on this, mm -hmm. other than just impulsively feeling, feeling with all of my being that, yeah. that wedges was the right answer. I start thinking about our most wanted testing. Mm -hmm. That was my a first driver, answer. for example. We don't see a ton of difference. Okay. We don't see a ton of difference in a driver. I think you can go, go off the rack and, and do pretty well especially if you have even a ballpark idea of what you're looking for. And the other thing, a driver is a mm -hmm. one condition play off the tee. I hit it off the yeah, deck occasionally. Really. So for yeah. some of us, maybe two lie conditions. And I think you're always going to How do much better, better with the fitting. But the question wasn't, can I improve? It wasn't, will, will any of these things improve my performance? Because I think getting fit for every club in your bag sure. will almost certainly improve yeah. your quality of play with that club. But I came to wedges because there's so much that goes into it. I've already talked about the variety of lies you encounter. The fact that average golfers are going to miss a lot of greens. Very often when you miss a green, right. your next shot is going to be from 100 or in. Some variety. Probably got a wedge in your hand. I can tell you on a typical round of golf for me, unless I'm on super duper cruise control, which right. happens two to three times a year. I am hitting mm -hmm. wedges more than any other club in my bag. A Certainly lot of six right irons. In there. You're not going a lot of driver six irons. For sure, yeah. I'm hitting it. Yeah, combined, I'm hitting yeah. more wedge shots than I am my iron shots over the course of a round. And sometimes that's because I miss a green, and sometimes it's because I hit a really good drive and I only have right. 100 in or 85 in or something like that. So wedges are in my hands a lot. I mm -hmm. believe they're in the hands of average golfers frequently. You encounter a variety of lie conditions. And then as, as I've talked about time and time again, a little magic that they work on the soul, that grind, going through a fitting process and understanding what grinds work for your swing, your course conditions, why they work. And then if you're really fortunate, have a fitter who can go beyond just putting you into those grinds, but actually showing you how to maximize the performance of, hey, we've got this grind. It, mm -hmm. it's going to work really well for you anyway, but now we're going to show you a couple things to get even more out of it. I believe this. And it was one of those things. The first time I went out to TPI and got fit, they told me in advance, Hey, this is going to be the fitting that you do. This is going to be mm -hmm. what has the most immediate and noticeable impact on mm -hmm. your game. And it was absolutely true to go out on a course and have a shot where mm -hmm. hey, for whatever reason, I chunked this one a lot. Maybe it's the ground condition. Maybe it's my attack angle. Maybe right. it's my wedge not working with those two other factors. And to have that club that, that is designed to work for me in those situations, yeah. it's just a better result. And you're going to hit these clubs, these shots time and time and time again on the golf course, unless, as I said, you are freakishly yeah. dialed in and you're going driver, iron, putter on that. That's rare for average golfers.
where would you get started? Not saying these are the only clubs you should be fit for. Obviously, be great if everybody were fit for all 14. We're saying if you're going to pick one thing to check off this year and say, yeah, I got fit for those, okay, start wedges. The reason I went with the driver initially, my first thought was I wanted to be wrong. I wanted, no, you wanted, to, I wanted to argue with you, Tony. I wanted to argue yeah. on how many different swings can you cost yourself two strokes? Not too many. See, a lot of golfers, like, it is just a miserable day. Yeah, what? seen that too. Every but blade of wedge out of bounds? miserable day for amateur golfers if you can't get off the tee. Now, I get people are topping shots or whatever. Having a well-fit driver isn't necessarily going to help that. But when we look at people that, you talk about these aha moments, hitting shots with wedges maybe you haven't been able to hit before, I feel like golfers will have some of those. If you're playing a substantially misfit driver, like we've said, that's the place where you might actually see a gain of 10, 15, 20, maybe even 25 yards in distance. And there's nothing that's more intoxicating for golfers than hitting a golf ball further. That's such a bad, to, to get that kind of yardage, you've got to be so Sorry, see poorly fit. Every absolutely single day, we right? Because they got the box set or... They got this. It's the hand-me-down from whatever. You go back five, six years, our very own Harry Nodwell, very good golfer. He's picked up 30, 40, 50 yards just because he was so poorly. Like, his ball was just low and spinny. So you take somebody that can generate a lot of speed uh, as well, I think you can see a tremendous difference, and maybe that would inspire somebody to say, oh, man, I'm hitting my driver so much better. Or I feel like I can go out and I have this sense of optimism, like, hey, I can actually hit golf shots the way that I see sometimes other people hit them, and that's very motivating to me. So that that was going to be my argument. It may be wrong, or maybe you're wrong, but maybe people will comment Doesn't and let us like, know. I think your upside, if you start at a pretty good place with everything in my bag, you're not one of these guys yeah. who has an outlier of a driver, for example... I, I told you about oh, the yeah. uh, that kid I played <laughs> with a, with a couple weeks ago who <laughs> flew number four at McGregor yeah. with a hybrid, which is which is just absurd. But at the beginning of the year, he was playing a tailor-made sim driver with the faux Ventus shaft in it, and might have even been regular uh -huh. flex, but at best it was stiff flex, faux Ventus, sixty gram, and we are talking about a guy who just goes after it with swing speed between 100 and 125 miles an hour so that's a guy if you came to me and sure. said this guy and i guess that's always going to be the right answer in any any golf fitting question the the right answer is always it depends because if you give me that guy and i look at what he's got and i look at him generating 125 right. miles an hour of club head <laughs> speed with a shaft that is bending and twisting and and just by the time it gets to the yeah. ball, it might as well be on a different head kind of situation. He's going to benefit more from getting dialed into sure. the driver, but only because he's so far from where he needs to be. But if you take an average golfer who's reasonably proficient with off-the-rack stuff, but he's never been fit for a wedge yep. where he can take advantage of those grind options and really consider his attack angle, the the conditions he plays in as well as 
the requisite amount of versatility he needs to negotiate his way around the golf course because again mcgregor a little bit of a unique situation it requires a lot of negotiation to get around 18 holes where i play but i think for most guys if if -hmm. you're kind of within normal limits if you're if you're perpetually existing maybe not in the sweet spot of the bell curve but you're you're moving around the fattest part with the equipment you have your opportunity let's finish with this then people comment that's what i think below let us know if you could get fit for anything in your bag right now today where would you start also what are other myths that are out there that you hear about maybe you have questions like hey is this really true is this something that i should believe i hear it all the time post those comments below and uh, tony will spend his weekend answering all of them he will absolutely dive in there and give you personalized responses to every question you have but until Next time, find us. Watch out for Rusty Wedges. He is a guy who definitely drives a windowless van. Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C. Find us, follow us on the social medias. We'll see you next time. We out. On the Twitters.